Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Started with the Dodgers in 1950, retired four years ago. That is strike two. 67 years of his life he poured into the Dodger organization, and you know he's watching and rooting. Ownership, Andrew Friedman, Dave Roberts. And strike three! Dodgers have won it all in 2020! Source site for Rockies fans to open the show with, but the facts are the facts of the case. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, presented by, of course, Drava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer. Patrick Lyons. And yes, it is Wednesday. I'm trying to say that as best I can in my, my best Jermaine Clement from the song It's Business Time, uh, Flight of the Concords. You know how I know it's time to make love because it's Wednesday in our universe. It's actually that means it's time for the DFA show. Basically the same thing. We're going to have a whole lot of fun talking big topics around the world of baseball. And a lot of times we have to reach out for those topics, Patrick, we have to go out and find them and grab them. And we're going to continue a conversation in the second half of today's show that AJ Hafley and I began last week. We talk about some World Series of the of the past, and we we get to wax poetic about baseball, something that's at the top of both of our priority lists on all days. And I'd love to begin by waxing poetic about a 97 mile an hour perfect dotted fastball on the inside there from Julio Urias. What a beautiful game that was! What a beautiful World Series we just witnessed. But alas, controversy of two types. One, a very baseball thing that, again, I'd love if we could just spend 20 minutes talking about the Blake Snell decision. Mm. However, sadly, worryingly, distressingly, we have to begin, and I'll, I'll just ask it plainly to you, your reaction to Justin Turner, the news that he had tested positive for COVID and then returned to the field to celebrate, oftentimes maskless, with his teammates. And then the league, of course, releasing a strongly worded statement that they are not pleased with the actions of the Dodgers' bearded redhead. Justin Turner was quite negligent last night, and it is something that definitely could, I think, mar this fantastic season that MLB has had otherwise. Sure, there were some early cases with the Marlins and Cardinals having some positive tests and the schedule kind of being reworked on the fly, but it was fine. There was something like 54 consecutive days without a positive test there. And Justin Turner gets pulled there in the eighth inning uh, once they realize in the seventh that, hey, the the second test that they ran uh, came back that he had tested positive for COVID-19. So he was told to sit in the clubhouse and he was to not 
leave. There's even MLB security there. Obviously, they didn't strong arm him in any way, uh, which I've, would have been, it would have been its own thing as well, but it probably would have been the lesser of two evils because now you have you know everybody that was on that field last night, and it wasn't just Los Angeles Dodgers uh, team members or, or coaches or staff. You know, there were also photographers that were there. There was, you know, uh, folks from from Fox on the on the baseball side of things, on the, on the television side, that were down there amongst other people. And it is a situation that we all just kind of have to sit and wait and hope for the best and, and hope, you know, nobody loses their life over this. No one um, has any, you know, negative impact on on their life. Someone from the the, the Rays, a family member from, from the Rays side, did test positive today. Um, no obvious evidence that it had anything to do with Justin Turner, but there's some stuff going on. I think that it, it would be a little surprising if it was just Justin Turner, if, if he went rogue, especially being you know one of the captains of that team, if it was something much larger. So what should have just been, wow, we're done. And Rob Manfred said, hey, we made it through. We did it. And they didn't, not, not yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe they will. Maybe, you know, this will all be for nothing. And in two weeks time, we find out that no one, you know, caught this awful disease and it'll just be an interesting little wrinkle that we'll have to think about. And, you know, we'll, we'll go back and discuss and say, what if, and, oh my gosh, imagine this situation in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, it still doesn't make it okay. Right. There's that, oh, that of course. Like, you're right. Cause, of course. cause you're a hundred percent right. It's what you have to hope for. Um, it, it just, it's, it's all there is to hope for. And, but right. It, it, it doesn't make it okay. That was extraordinarily reckless. And look, we understand and, and neither Patrick or I have ever won the world series before. Um, and, and so we have never had the opportunity to celebrate with our teammates on the field and, you know, have it pass through your mind that you might be missing out on a once in a lifetime opportunity to do just that but again this is one of those times where you've got to think about more than just yourself and and that's why the word that i kept coming back to was selfish that it's just extraordinarily selfish to do such a thing to put other people at risk because of your moment of you not want to look you're still going to get your ring you're still going to get your money. You still get to call yourself champ forever. And, you know, if even after the public display on the field, if your teammates decide themselves, they want to come to your hotel room and celebrate with you and, and take that risk on their own choice, then they have every right to do that. But to come back out, like you said, and, and it's not just as teammates, the, umpires, the ushers, all the other people that had to be around the situation. So we just have to keep our eye on it and, and hope that nobody else gets sick. And uh, Daniel, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly, you know, what the, the they're not going to do any of the postseason World Series stuff, but there's going to be, there's going to, and, and Justin Turner's not going to be suspended for an entire season either, even though I've seen some people suggest that that, that should happen. That's not going to happen either, but there's going to be punishments and I wouldn't be surprised if they're bigger than what um, you, you might expect that we've been very hard. Like MLBs had notoriously weak punishments for, for serious things in the past, uh, including, you know, stealing the world series arguably, but um, this actually is another level. Like I, I said earlier, there were, there were two controversies in the, in this game and we're starting with this one because this is a human level problem that goes outside the diamond of baseball and impacts people who don't even play baseball. Like, like we said, the family members of ushers and umpires and, and stuff like that. So it's just that whole extra level, right? Like it, I think the hammer is going to come down hard on them. Obviously you, you've got to do a full investigation and figure out, uh, you know, exactly mm -hmm. You know who did if anyone tried to talk him out of going back out, out there there, there there's yeah, some I, sort of i almost don't even blame justin turner to a degree like obviously you have to but there's protocol in place to prevent something like happen that something like that happen and you know i'll i'll, I'll say this because this isn't you know i think uh 
we can be a little uh, self-aggrandizing here in America and say, oh, Americans are so selfish. Well, sure, sure we are. Um, but I think human beings can be because this this pandemic that we've had going on has been something that is plaguing the entire world. And certain pockets of, of the world have been able to kind of figure out how to to get rid of, of coronavirus and uh, and kind of get away from that. And, and, and we'll eventually over time learn what those factors were, what the secret to their success was. But, you know, this stuff is happening all over the place. Even even Italy recently has had to kind of bring it back. And now they're they're no longer able to uh, have fans in their, their soccer stadium. So this is just a human being thing. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, certain laws and, and certain protocol needs to be put in place, because when, you know, left to our druthers, emotionally, we're not necessarily going to be able to make the best decisions and you know it's it's he justin turner deserves to be on that field he deserved to he deserved to celebrate with his with his teammates he deserved to hold the trophy all of those things he deserved however something changed all of that something that that has never happened to my knowledge in the history of professional sports where something literally from from one minute to you know almost you know quite literally less than an hour later you go Hey man, you are going to win a championship, and you're going to get to celebrate. And then minutes later, actually, no, like you can't. Everybody else is going to. Like, what other yeah. scenario? That would that would almost be like if the police come and and they arrest a player and they go, actually, we have enough evidence for you. We're going to come out to third base, you know, put you in handcuffs, take you off. Like, right. And, and at that point, that guy would be in jail, or he'd be, you know, still in the stadium. He wouldn't be able to celebrate. But right. in this one strange strange instance justin turner goes back out on that field he's not stopped and now and and you know if man if this were just some kind of i don't know what celebration you wouldn't have celebrate with champagne or with a breck brew but they're going back in that clubhouse and champagne's fine and they're drinking it and they're sharing it and passing it like that really is going to take it up a notch to the next level and we'll see what's getting passed around of course kenley jansen was was mentioned um uh by by the great barbara creaseman and you also have dave roberts who's a cancer survivor too who is right next to him also in in, in that photograph so you know and, and and that's just the players that's just the team there's family members involved in so many other people and it would be a shame if this was a black mark on the game when really it's it's one guy making a poor choice and the people around him allowing him to make that bad choice. Yeah. Before we move on to the, on the field stuff, I do want to bring in super producer kale, just because this is one of those stories that kind of transcends sports. And, and we've talked about it a little bit. Um, what, like just a, as somebody who's not necessarily intimately familiar with the history of major league baseball, handing out punishments and, and exactly how many games or whatever, what seems fair to you? What do you feel like just as a, viewer of baseball like what would you like or or should mlb be under more fire like just where are you sending out because you, you said to me like i was just really pissed about the whole thing so yeah are you directing your your ire i was just really angry it just like you said selfish it just seemed really selfish when i saw that last night i was just i like remember watching the post game show and being like is that justin turner like that just seems not right right and so I'm mostly mad at him. I mean, there's lots of reports that came out today. And from mostly what I read, he was acting pretty recklessly. MLB security was trying to get him to go back at, inside. They were trying to enforce him wearing a mask even when he refused to go back into the clubhouse. Um, so I'm mostly mad at him. I'm not really mad at Major League Baseball. I actually think they've handled things as well as they could have in this situation. They did everything they could to get him back in the clubhouse. I mean, to a certain extent, what are you going to do? Tase the guy? Like, no. Yeah. Right. Like, you're not going to tase the guy. I mean, they had people ask him to go back inside on several occasions. They removed him from the game as soon as he had a positive test. And I understand that. Like, right. He as a person might be thinking, I've been around these guys all day. Whatever damage is already, has been done has already been done. And that might be true of his teammates. But like you said, there's photographers on the field. There's videographers. There's umpires he hadn't necessarily been in contact with. All of those people, not only do those people, but those people have families and maybe elderly grandparents are taken care of. 
Um, I would like to see a pretty hefty suspension to him be handed out for next season. And I'm thinking maybe like, I don't know, 30 games. Like, it's serious. And I know that's like a fifth of the season. I don't know. That might not be. I'm not good at math. No, that sounds. That sounds uh, yeah. 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 That sounds um, fair to me. I'm not like entirely. Um, I don't necessarily. And I also don't necessarily. The people who are calling for the Dodgers to have like their World Series title revoked and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I actually don't know if the Dodgers did much wrong. As an organization, you know, like maybe the players, maybe the coach, maybe the manager, like all that should have been like, hey, dude, you should probably go back inside. But that didn't really (laughs) happen. And, you know, I understand to a certain extent, like one man made a decision last night that put other people at risk. And I think that's where the punishment should come down. Yeah, I, you know, I I think that needs to be remembered. Patrick and I, when this this first thing started, one of our go to phrases over and over again was it just takes one person. Right. And, and I think that's where people, you know, feel like, well, if most everyone is is doing it right. It only takes that one person to go in and do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And this was exactly that. And so we just have to hope that uh, the damage is, is extraordinarily limited. That my, my final thought on this was I just it really did, as I kind of started with, it, it was so disappointing that it just dampened the end of the World Series so much. Yeah. Like, nobody here was going to be stoked that the Dodgers won the world series, but there's still, there's something for any baseball fan when the season comes to an end and someone holds up the trophy. And if you hate that team, you go, mm, you guys got it coming for you next year or, or, or whatever you do, you know, like there, there's a thing there. And instead it would, it wasn't even about the game. It wasn't even about well, it was the series. A, it was, it was about, a great series. That's the unfortunate yeah. part. It was right. such a great series. You had, the three to one pitching battle you had last night. Then you had the offensive explosion of the two games before where they couldn't stop hitting in every inning. You Mm. had blowouts. Like this series had everything baseball fans could ask for. And nobody's talking about that. And it's just so unfortunate. Right. Well, we are going to talk about that. We're (laughs) going to talk about it right now. So we appreciate your thoughts on all of that, Kel. Uh, And we're going to toast our breck brews on this day what did i get here i've got the lager i should have the oh there it is there's my cold one yeah i've got multiple beers hanging out on my desk what do you not have breck brew samplers just lining your fridge the way i do they come in 15 can samplers by the way i don't know if you know that that 12 can stuff is for amateurs here at dnvr breck brew we do 15 can samplers got the avalanche amber ale it's a standby it's one of the best beers in the world for just sipping and enjoying some sports. If you want something a little more flavorful and adventurous, you got to try that Palisade peach, though. You know it's fantastic because it contains the best peaches in the world, and it's Breck Brew. So basically, you've got an unbeatable combination. You can get it at King Supers, any liquor store, or you can go on down to the farmhouse Anytime between noon to 8 p.m., you can get either the curbside pickup or you can hang out in their beautiful, socially distanced outdoor dining. Uh, though we'll see. I know, uh, again, I'll have to double check if they're still open. There's, uh, uh, I know there's been uh, changes just in the last 24 hours here uh, in Denver, and I'm not even sure if they're located technically in the, the Denver city line. So we'll keep you updated on that. Just, you know what? Just get the curbside. Don't even worry about all that stuff. Be safe out there. Wear your mask. Get the curbside pickup. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Use code DNVR. You save five bucks off both the food and the beer. Fantastic, fantastic situation for you. Yeah, Baker's and dozen is 13, right? I think that's right. So a Breckenridge dozen is 15. It's 15. So yeah, just so if anyone gives you any crap, just say, I'm just, I got a dozen. Just getting a dozen pack of Breck. Breck and when you come back, you get three bonus three bonus Breck brews for yourself there. You, you, know, yeah, you can stack those away in your secret. You know, the Breckenridge right. dozen. Now I see our second Dan of the day mentioning some of the Rockies news, of course, that Dan, uh, our third Dan of the day, Dan Murphy, no longer a Rocky. We'll get to that in just a minute, but we do have to give uh, a little bit more time to the actual baseball of the world series and talk about its most controversial baseball moment which was, of course, Patrick, Kevin Cash making the decision, or I suppose the Rays apparatus, depending how you you look at it and think about it, uh, making the decision 
to remove Blake Snell from the game at 73? 73 pitches, yep. 73 pitches, having only allowed two hits. He's an extraordinary pitcher. He's their best pitcher. He was pitching extraordinarily well, uh, and they took him out and immediately lost the lead and ended up losing the game in the World Series. And there were – it has sort of sparked a debate about, you know, how – slavish the Rays are to the numbers uh, and whether or not, you know, they, they got beat by their own computers strategy there. Uh, And then, you know, (laughs) uh, plenty of people that uh, have kind of tried to hedge and say, Hey, the numbers weren't even that strong and this isn't necessarily how you, how you go. But uh, what, what was your take on it, Patrick, before I give mine? Yeah, I I was a little surprised. I mean, I understand the whole concept of, you know, starting pitchers. It sounds crazy, you know, facing a team the third time through the order and you say, oh, my gosh, like you should be able to do that pretty easily. Like, you know, back back when uh, I was a, a young pup, you, you go through four times the order. You, you went as long as you needed to. Hey, yeah, sure. Guys didn't throw a complete game every time out. I'm not that old. But, you know, to, to go six, seven innings, especially in the steroid era, you, you maybe had to, to face the, the top three guys in the lineup that fourth time. So it, uh, it was strange just given the fact that Snell was dealing, you know, two hits, no walks, nine strikeouts at that point, and just seemed to really be, be lifting his team. Had the lead, sure, uh, Barnes was on base there, but it, it, was, it was his game, and you have to ride – the hot hand. And, and if, if you win, great. Now your bullpen has a little bit more rest because you got to go back out there winning game seven. So if it's a bullpen day, so be it. So for him to have made that move just doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I understand with, you know, what analytics uh, can do and what you have to look at. And again, this is just a, a singular moment that didn't work out. And that's, that's just something that, that happens. It's, it's a small sample size that, you replay that, you know, a hundred times over, it might work 80% of the time. And you go, oh, Kevin Cash, great move. I wouldn't have done that because Snell was dealing. But, hey, turned out Nick Anderson was the guy to go to there. So be it. Um, you know, it, the analytics is what got the Rays where they're at. In fact, it's what got the Dodgers where they're at. It's what's gotten a lot of teams into the playoffs and looking at those right. things and saying, hey, over a full 162 or 60 game season, this is better than that. So let's do this. And okay, we need to have rules in place. In this scenario, what do we do? Well, we have to go there, even if it's ugly looking, even if we're lifting our starting pitcher in the fourth or fifth inning, because that's when he's going third time through the order. Well, enough teams have been doing it to show that there's evidence that it works. Not every time. Nothing works every time, but it works often enough. So it's just kind of a shame that, you know, in that moment when you have a guy that was dealing, you know, if it, if it was something different where he had given up one run and given up, you know, four hits and had seven strikeouts, you go, he looked really good. I don't know, man. He looked really good. He looked phenomenal. So yeah. you go, ah, oh, why would you do such a thing? Didn't work. Did not work in that instance. It did not. I generally agree with the school of thought out there that this was outthinking oneself, that it was over clever or an over adherence to the numbers. That said, I agree 100% with what you just said. I think the most important thing about this is that it actually teaches both the lessons of the importance of analytics and of their limitations. And that's why I think this is so funny because I see a lot of people you know, today coming very strongly to the defensive analytics, feeling like they're under attack because the analytics led to a decision that I think most people who've just watched baseball for a very long time were scratching their heads going, I don't really care what the numbers say right now. That guy is clearly pitching well. And I think that's correct. I, I, I think that in that moment, the the more you know, tradi- like like you said though, it's a one. It's not even a one game sample size. It's a one moment sample right. size, a one decision sample size that you're boiling this whole thing down to. 
where I think the analytics community often goes wrong is recognizing the importance of incredibly small sample size outliers. There are small sample size outliers. And when you use the analytics as your guide for every single decision and you say, I've often used as an example, don't try to steal second base because trying to steal second base is worth a negative 0.45 WPA. So, well, but I've got Billy Hamilton. And he's actually on first base. Let's not, let's take out the, the fact that he never <laughs> very rarely, like if he's already on first base, then that stat, as much as it may be true for 80%, 90%, let's say it's true for 99% of the players in baseball. If Billy Hamilton's on first, I don't care what is the case for 99% of the players in baseball. And so I, I think that's where, you know, if you're talking about if 80% of the time it's the right decision to take out any given starting pitcher exactly when the Rays did, then you've got overwhelming statistical evidence. That's the move that you should make. But to not recognize that you are clearly right in the middle of an outlier where you've got to throw the numbers out because the numbers don't inform what Blake Snell is doing right this second. And so I hope that a lesson can be learned and applied to that to so that we can seek to recognize outliers, whether it be in those individual moments where actually it does make sense for Dave Roberts to steal second base. <laughs> um, and actually it does make sense for Ichiro Suzuki to not try to hit home runs and to be a slap singles hitter for his entire career. Is that a good strategy for 95% of dudes? Maybe not. What does Ichiro give a damn? And so I, I hope that, like, I, I want to resist the temptation as somebody who's often saying, ah, the analytics aren't always right, and they can lead to, to, to dunk on the Rays. Because as you said, that's ridiculous. The analytics got the Rays to game six of the World Series. The analytics got the 29th payroll in baseball to within an inch and a half of toppling the Los Angeles Dodgers. And so... And they had a better year than everyone who wasn't the Dodgers. And, and so, you know, I, for me, it, it's not evidence at all that like the analytics don't work or anything like that, but it does show that they too need to be put into the proper context. And it, it was really interesting to see, I think the theory pushed just a little bit too far and now seeing some people struggling with whether or not, you know, they're going to hold on to the theory despite the practice it's, and, and, and the results. It's a great debate. It's a great time to be a baseball fan. It's, it's managing, right? It's like that's what you're managing, this idea that, well, the numbers over here suggest this guy's maybe not going to get it done, but I, I got a, this gut instinct. And it's, and it's not just a guy that's, you know, 0 for 16 against someone. It's left on left. You go, I got a feeling. No, that's not going to happen. It's, it's something, you're right, like outliers or even just this idea that, you know, um, there's still enough evidence to interpret it to be something else. And you say there's some wiggle room in there. You can't yeah. just look at the data. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because you know you you look at at the the pitcher that's uh, walked the most batters in baseball history. You go, well, that guy sucks. That guy's Nolan Ryan. He's pretty good. All right, right. like oh, the manager that lost the most games. He lost like two thousand games. Like this guy knows nothing. He's a, he's a moron. It's Connie Mack, a Hall of Famer. He, he built the Philadelphia Athletics. And same thing. Uh, what pitchers had the most losses? He's obviously not very good. It's Denton true young Cy young all right so you know you can't just make it a black and white issue yes this did not work out for them it was bad you and i uh i think even uh mr spk over there super producer kale would have left blake snell in that game right. and it would have been interesting to see what would happen yeah, wouldn't I, would, you? I was screaming at the tv it made no sense <laughs> so what are you doing right right you're a big the, Snellzilla fan. He's a big Snellzilla fan. It's not a big Snellzilla guy. It's just, yeah, the, the one out of 10,000 times that the average Yahoo sitting on his couch is going to be smarter than the guy making the decision. Not smarter about the game of baseball, but make the 
the smarter decision because uh, they're not overthinking it. But it's easy to say also when you're not right there, when you're not in the moment, when you don't have just a few seconds to make the decision. But still, that was uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. was very difficult to justify. It's it's you know I guess a little bit easier to deal with since it was you know, the final game of the World Series. Whereas, let's say this was the case in, in game one or game two, you make a move like that, you say, wow, what would have happened if if we could have gone back in time? Like that changed the whole series. That that just changed this one game, crucial game, critical game. It will go down uh, as one of the worst all-time moves in a World Series. Like when you, when you think, when you bottle this World Series up in a nutshell, we got to put aside Mookie Betts, all-time great. We know this this goes on his resume, Hall of Fame. Sure, Mookie Betts is in there. Yeah. Um, same thing, you know. We'll see what happens with Cody Bellinger, Cody Seager. You know these guys. Uh, you know with Moneyball and, and and all the sabermetrics and stuff with with Tampa was able to do in, in their small payroll. Yeah, those are all stories that are just kind of this through line throughout this era. But you know the the big elements from. This World Series is obviously the ending to Game Four. Two errors on one play, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. You've got the Blake Snell being removed there in Game Six, in uh, in that that seventh inning there when or it was sixth inning. Yeah, I just I just went blank there. In yeah. uh, so being removed early when he shouldn't have been, and then Justin Turner, like those are. Those are the things that we're going to remember from it, and that's uh, it's particularly a shame about the Justin Turner thing. But it, it's it's really a comedy of errors. Like all three of those things, we got two errors on the same play. We've got an error by taking your guy out, former Cy Young Award winner who's dealing, and you have mm-hmm. a guy who makes an error in judgment and runs yep. back out on the field. So I mean, that's I mean that pretty much sums up 2020. It's it's a year of errors and it's, yeah. it's not a comedy of errors unfortunately it's no and they narrowly missed one other potential error i've seen other people asking this question but my mother back in with another instance. Mm. what if the rays hang on and win all this justin turner stuff happens and now we've got to play a game seven and 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 we couldn't do that probably for a while that would have been a nightmare scenario for major league baseball to try to figure out what to do after all these guys had been around someone uh, who tested positive. So my, my thought on that was, okay, they're going to have to shut it down. Maybe it's like five days until they sort it out. Then they can play a game, which obviously is very strange, but depending on how many guys get lost on Tampa Bay's roster, how many get lost on LA's roster, you don't have the Rays against the Dodgers. You have most of the Rays, most of the Dodgers, Edwin Rios is playing third base. You know, somebody else is out in, in center field. Kike Hernandez is, is playing center field. You've got Austin Ball. series featuring the yeah. Hebert Ruiz. Yeah, you've got guys who are making their major league debut in the World Series game seven because they're on that taxi squad. And you go, that's, you know, that's that's bonkers. So there it wasn't already an asterisk on the thing. So, no, congratulations to the Los Angeles Asterix for their asterisk in the world asterisk, and they did a very asterisk job this season. So congratulations. There's no letter I or lowercase j in Los Angeles Dodgers. So I'll just have to put the asterisk squarely in, that, in, in the O in the Dodgers. Right in the That's it. Right in the O. Well, the end of the World Series – means that the odds are out for who's going to win the World Series next year. Folks, get on that DraftKings Sportsbook app now because the field is wide open again. And the earlier you get in, the crazier these odds can get because, well, nobody knows exactly who's going to be on what teams next year. But maybe you do. Maybe you know who's going to be on what teams. Maybe you've got the inside track. You feel like you know who's going to win the World Series next year. Or if not, you know, win their division, win the awards, you know, all the fun stuff that you can bet on for baseball. Of course, football, plenty of good stuff still going on there over the wintertime. UFC, got to get that rugby situation sorted and get your rugby knowledge up to snuff with our guys 
on the DNVR Rugby podcast so that you can have the knowledge base to win some money there too because it's so much fun to have a little extra skin in the game when you're watching sports. And the best way to do that is with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You sign up now, you use that promo code DNVR when you sign up and you get a can't miss offer where you pick either Penn State or Ohio State, bet $1 on them and cash $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Uh, deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And we may need to get super producer Kale back in to give us a pick in Penn State or Ohio State because I don't know oh. anything. About. Yeah, Ohio State. Okay, That's there like, you go. That's like Hawkeyes. Ohio State. Ohio State might be the only team that's anywhere close to Clemson this year. They're there like that sounds so good. good. Kale, what is the over-under on Drew knowing the nickname slash mascot of Penn State? What do you think? You think he's got it in him? No, I do not. Well, I Whoa, that was – I don't. I don't think Drew. It's a I don't hard think, one. You know, do you know Penn it, State's mascot? Mm, is it a cat of some kind? It is a cat. Oh, You're close. I, I could be very I'm wrong here. Sure. What kind? That's that's why it's hard. Yeah. No, no, we're close. You're not gonna get it. Okay. I don't even line. actually know what it is. The Penn State Nittany Lions. That's and not real. That's a real thing. Not just any lion. It's a Nittany lion. Yeah. I don't know what lion. that is. Actually. Do they, do they, Nittany lions? Like, okay, I will share my screen right now. It must and show be you a, from Northwestern Pennsylvania. It's, it's probably like a panther. You're probably, I think you're right. Penn State Nittany. Nittany lions football. See, yeah, I, I kind of had the, the, the logo in my mind, right? That's, I, so I knew it was a cat. That counts. Yeah. Does it? Do I get half points? <laughs> I mean, if you're making like, you know, if they if they win the the the, the whole shebang in, in NCAA football, they win the big game, and you print up a Penn State Cats shirt, I'm thinking a lot of people are going to want refunds. Just saying. So I, I would just like to point to Drew's mom that's just like <laughs> slightly flexing on him right now, and I love that. She's <laughs> yeah. shamed. Is she a little shamed? Regular. It's, 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 <laughs> She knows I don't pay attention to college football, and 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 they're all into that too. But if you do, it's your bet on. I was on. right. My instincts were right. There's no such thing as a Nittany lion, so it's basically an Eastern Mountain lion. But uh, Nittany has, it's like a mountain out out in that uh, that. Oh, okay, that counts. College Station. Uh, I forget Happy Valley. I don't remember what they call Penn State up there, but yes. I knew Nittany Lions. How about the University of Vermont? Let's go there. What is their mascot? I got You'd also be right if you said a cat, cat like cat. They're is the cat a, amounts. Is it, is it a big cat? You're gonna enjoy um, March Madness if we get it <laughs> next year. You're gonna you're gonna get really into the names. Yeah. I think in a big way. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I can get into the names. That's one of the ways you get into it. Rugby's got some great names too. Oh yeah. Hey, we do have a little bit of Colorado Rockies news to talk about today. Uh, we'll talk about it. We <laughs> will talk about it. Not a lot of other uh, people. We'll just say people. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Right. But we will. We we will. We very much will. Uh, now, this isn't going to come as a galloping shock to anyone who's listened to this show for a while, though. The manner of it surprised us a little bit, Patrick. Just the Rockies kind of casually dropping today that they have indeed declined the option on Daniel Murphy. You know, all the other players who were set to become free agents did just because that's naturally how that happens. Uh, but Daniel Murphy, uh, and there hasn't really been an official announcement from the team. He, he was just listed as a free agent, which is fascinating. They almost always release some kind of announcement. Um, but in this case, it just, it's kind of dropped it in the info dump that he is a free agent now. And so, uh, the Daniel Murphy era in Colorado has officially come to an end. Patrick, the Rockies save a roster spot and about $6 million. And if I'm doing the math correctly, I think they're at like 
34 members of the 40-man roster, but there's also two guys who are set to come off like injury stuff who I think are going to go right back on there. Um, it, it, it's all still a little bit of a mess in terms of the 40-man roster at this point. There's all the Rule 5 protecting stuff that they got to do. But as of right now, uh, a bunch of old guys with bad knees came off the Rockies roster today. <laughs> That, that's a good way of, of summarizing what happened. And I think it kind of, you know, it starts things fresh and you don't have to, for better, better or worse, uh, you know, you don't have to really address that situation. And it's just kind of, it, it's all in there with everything. It's, it's the fine print that Daniel Murphy is, you know, a free agent now. And, you know, it, I think a lot of people were maybe caught by surprise this, the fact that they now have to pay him $6 million because the deal was structured rather interestingly. And I, and I liked it at the time, you know, um, LeMahieu and Daniel Murphy, both getting two years, uh, 24 million. The caveat being that if Daniel Murphy had played great, even as good as DJ LeMahieu had played during his time in Colorado, not even as good as he was as an MVP caliber candidate with the Yankees, but even if he was just relatively serviceable, right. Colorado would have been able to have him stick around for a third year for an additional $6 million, rather creative. So really, in the end, it would have been three years for 30. Uh, as it were, you know, goodbye. And, and they now have to pay him uh, $6 million here on the books. In addition to, I think, some payments that are made to Wade Davis and uh, – right. I'm, I'm thinking there's a couple other guys that there that may have been a buyout too. I think Jake McGee and Brian Shaw still get a buyout. Yeah. You know, they just haven't received that money yet. I think it's something right. like 14 million dollars. Uh, Colorado will be paying to guys that are no longer on their roster this year. So that's going to be. I mean, that's painful for any team to to have to deal with, uh, unless you're a big market club. But that's that 14 million dollars is going to loom even larger, kind of. I think in 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 the mind of Dick Monfort you know, this off season and this year that we're going into um, because money is going to be tight for all teams. And it's, it's going to be one of the reasons why it, it could be hard to get rid of a, a contract that a t you might not like if, whether it's, Hey, let's see if we can just get something for Ian Desmond and take his $8 million off our hands or Nolan is, he's going to opt out. He doesn't care if he's going to get less money. He's going to opt out. Let's trade him. Well, another team has to agree to accept the remaining, you know, $165 million on his deal. That's going to be incredibly hard to do. So right. uh, this offseason is is going to be interesting as always. It's, there's going to be a lot of new wrinkles. It's going to take a while to really figure out what's going on once a lot of those free agents start signing and we see guys moving around. We see guys get non-tendered. There's players, as you said, there might only be room for about four or five guys right now on the 40-man that you can add whether they're free agents or you know just your your young prospects that need to be protected but in addition to that you have some guys that are making you know 2 to 3 million dollars that you say eh, you know what I, I can get that production from a quadruple a player i can i can pay dom nunez the league minimum instead of paying tony walters a little over 2 million dollars that sound that right. that would have been crazy to have said a year ago at this time now maybe not so we'll be we'll be breaking all of all of that down in, in more of this this offseason. We'll have plenty of time for it because spoiler alert, I don't think we're going to have spring training when we normally do. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there, but I also think yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that market plays out and how teams respond. Like there'll be a lot of teams with that kind of same thing where you talk about oh, yeah. okay, you've got 14 million dollars right of of this kind of dead money but it's also money you've spent and paid out already. And there's like a, so how are teams going to build their rosters? They're moving forward, right? It's going to be absolutely fascinating because the top players are going to have to sign for something. And once the market is set, we'll have a, a much stronger idea. So it, it may be the case that teams aren't willing to spend. It may also be the case that they don't have to spend as much, or, you know, there's a bunch of, Guys just signing one-year deals till everything gets a little more back to normal. I think we'll see more and more of that, too, the one- and two-year deals, which could benefit the Rockies if Dick Monfort sees this $14 million of dead money less as, oh, man, 
I'm paying $14 million to guys who aren't on the team and more. I saved X because from that 14, however much he's not paying them to play next year is more. And so if, you, if, if he's willing to play that mind trick on himself and be like, no, 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 which actually I will say, and I've been, I've, I've been known to be pretty harsh on the billionaire owners of major league baseball. One of the things that they're really good at is this kind of, trickery right of like no 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 i didn't lose 14 million dollars i saved 23 million dollars or, or whatever the exact number is right which is like both of those things are true uh so actually you've you've arguably saved a little bit of money for right now and as you said the the question basically becomes is the little bit of money that they've saved for right this moment by parting ways with these players is that money they put into a vault for safety from all this COVID stuff and for not knowing where the fan revenue is going to come in the future and all of that, or do they spend it to make the baseball team better? And we just don't know. And nobody really knows for sure right now what their team is going to do with whatever money they have. Cause we also don't know that. So <laughs> fascinating time to be a baseball fan, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. All teams are, are going to be be struggling with that. And it's it's gonna be, you know, a tough go. And I NBA, NHL, they're they're all trying to figure it out, whether it's you know, bef- just before New Year's, just after New Year's, shortened schedules. And, you know, we go back and look and say one of the reasons why the owners wanted a 60 game season and, and they got it was because they were going to lose money every for every game that they played. That was that many millions of dollars more that they were going to lose because you make a lot of money. Shocker here when people show up to your ballpark and uh, and 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 buy tickets and and buy uh, you know Breck beers and, and and Strava Craft coffee. All those things you know add up and you get to put in your pocket when the fans aren't there. That is now money that you've already spent. You've already theorized what you're going to do with that money and that investment. And now you're not able to do that. And, you know, the Montforts, they've got uh, some bills that they need to pay because, you know, they've got a brand new building opening up right across the street, McGregor Square. Uh, It was supposed to open up on January 1st. Again, we still haven't heard anything from the Rockies front office or um, ownership, you know, since, you know, late this season. And uh, I imagine we'll we'll get we'll get more information on that in in the coming days and weeks ahead. Hopefully not months ahead. Yeah. Say days and weeks. Yeah. And and Len, you know, we're we're kind of shooting in the dark on that stuff. That's I, I think Patrick and I are both of the mind, and I think our our abs and nuggets guys are both of the mind too, that as hard as the leagues are trying to get things mostly back to normal for their seasons, it's just it, it's very unlikely that it's going to be possible to do that as we're learning more and more and keep unfortunately having to relearn a lot of this stuff is just out of our hands. Um, Some of it could be more in our hands if people would be more responsible, but uh, the, and I think if I may very briefly just stand up and say the thing, people have got to stop responding to the measures that are taking to keep us safe and, and blaming the people who decide okay no more basketball okay no more baseball okay we've got to delay the season okay no fans in the stadiums the people who are making us have to do all of those things are the ones who aren't following the rules are the justin turners of the world who are recklessly and dangerously deciding that their moment of fun is more important than everyone else's safety and so whether it's the government official or the person running the sport or whatever it is they're responding to doctors and scientists who are telling them this is the only thing that we can do to try to stop this. So sadly, if we weren't going through these spikes right now, if Denver wasn't literally going into a second lockdown, basically right now, we might be sitting here today going spring training. Yeah. Could be done. Could be semi-normal, maybe half capacity, maybe 30%, but a couple people around, games at a normal time, season at a normal time. And unfortunately, Justin Turner gave us the big, gigantic, emblematic, symbolic reason why we can't feel confident in saying that. Yeah, and it, it's 
interesting how you started that spiel, that speech. I don't want to downplay because it's an important speech, and I agree with every single thing that you just said. But is this idea that you know people get upset that the seasons are being impacted because studies are actually showing that people, you know, the ratings are have been down in a huge way across all sports. So people don't actually care as much about it. And you know, when you don't go to the games, there is this. Um, essentially you have more of a connection to that thing, yeah. whatever it is. And because you can't go to any of these games, you've lost that connection. And and surveys have come back where people say, you know, sports just don't seem as important uh, with everything going on. So it's kind of, you know, paradoxical, I don't know, hypocritical, whatever it is, that on one hand, when you really think about it, your actions show that you don't care as much because, man, right now it is, it's more about survive than it is about thrive. That's been the one thing that I keep coming back to. We, whether you're you're in America or you're somewhere else in the world, you want to thrive. You want to be successful. You want to feel good. Have a great life, no matter where you are, no matter what kind of a person you are uh, in the world. But right now, it's not about thrive. It's about survive. And so we 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 our actions show. Eh, you know what? Those things aren't as important. Yet when we get the news that such and such is struck down, oh, those guys don't know what they're doing, or oh, man. And yeah, it's disappointing, but at the same time, we just have to start to understand and take more responsibility you know, on, on those kind of things and, um, and, and just be, be safer in our world because we are far from out of this thing. Yeah. All right, I, we, we gotta wrap up before too long, but I don't wanna end on that note. So we were gonna maybe talk about uh, some old World Series stuff. Uh, Patrick, I know you missed out on the conversation last week and uh, you're as big a baseball history buff as anybody I know. Uh, since we are a little bit limited on time, I was wondering if you could maybe just give us one or two uh, of, of, I know the memories that you picked out, some feel good ones. Don't give us any, don't, don't make my heart hurt. And, and it's okay if it's New York too, I can live with it for now, but just some good baseball. Just what's, what are, what are some good baseball memories of world series? All right. Well, they're not, none of these are member memories oh. to me because I, I wasn't alive, but there's so uh, much memories. <laughs> I love, I love uh, the fact that Bill Wamsgans. Yes. Uh, two S's on the end of his name. Bill Wamsgans in 1920 turned a uh, triple play, the only triple play in the World Series. And now as I say this, my my the wheels are turning in my head, and I have some bad news for you, Drew, that um, in, in 1920, that was also the season that uh, Cleveland shortstop Ray Chapman was hit in the head uh, by a fastball from Carl Mays of the New York Yankees, and he died. He's the only player to have died uh, in in uh, Major League Baseball. But Cleveland still went on to win the World Series that year. That's cool. Uh, you also have Babe Ruth. Now, Manny Margot getting thrown out at a home plate obviously is a big deal, but a lot of people have actually come out on that and said, you know what, you got to take that opportunity because of the matchup. You like the aggression, and again, with, with what Kershaw's doing with that crazy windup, even when he comes set, you got to like that. Well, how about this one? Yep. Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth, not the other one, was caught stealing in 1926 sure. to end the World Series. Where, <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I'm like dumbfounded. Like, If only we had Skip and Shannon to talk about that, break that down. Stephen A. Smith, what's your take right. on Babe Ruth getting thrown out? to end the 1926 World Series. Okay, well, Babe Ruth makes up for that in 1932, or does he, with the called shot. Drew and, and most of our listeners know, hey, Babe Ruth, he pointed to, to center field, and he said, look at that. Uh, I'm going to hit a home run against the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley Field. And as we cue the video up, for those that are watching live, you tell me, Drew, is he pointing to center field saying, hey, that's where I'm going to hit it? Or is he pointing to the other dugout saying, you not nice people? I I will hear no blasphemy. I will hear no arguments. I will hear no logical stories from people who were there and heard what he said. I will listen to no one who speaks otherwise than the fact that Babe Ruth pointed to the outfield and said, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm hitting that ball over the wall. On this next pitch, 
I don't care about any of that other stuff that makes far more logical sense and seems reasonable than calling a home run back in an age where hitting a home run happened about 0.05% of the bats that you saw. No, I choose to believe, Patrick, that Babe Ruth called his shot. I know he well, it's funny because there was some audio that recently turned up where, like, the next day, Lou Gehrig talked about it. Lou Gehrig. So that gives a little credence. Lou mm. Gehrig said, like, yeah, man, he went out there and he called that shot. He might not have called it in that fashion. He might have said it, you know, in Carlos Correa way as he walks past his manager, like, I'm going deep. Yeah. I'd also like to know how many times guys actually do that, right? When they I was going to say, I wonder what the percentage yeah. is on that because you know dudes say that all the time. You don't remember the time you struck out on three pitches after you walked past your coach and was like, I'm going yard here. You know, you don't <laughs> talk about it. All right, let's go forward a couple decades. 1954, Willie, say hey, say hey, kids. Say Willie hey. Mays, say hey. uh, off of. Vic Worth there in the 1954 World Series makes what's just simply called the catch. Deep fly ball to center field in the polo grounds, which center field is something like 460, something like that. There's your old pup there. He remembers. Drogo remembers. Remember the now, catch, the most important thing about the catch is he catches it and immediately turns around and throws because there's a runner looking to tag there. So he's got that wherewithal that's just so impressive. And you can score from second. Like you said, it's people don't realize because there's not a ballpark that's really equivalent to the polo grounds around today, but you can score from second base on a deep fly ball out there. And so, yeah, that, oh, such, such a great play. All right, 1955, the next year, Jackie Robinson steals home plate. Or does he, Drew? This was one of the plays I really wanted to get your take on, uh, particularly because if we had instant replay, who knows? Now you got Jackie Robinson at third base, Yogi Berra at home plate trying to, to protect his space there. And, in, in fact, this this play was made. Two of the 25 more. greatest baseball players of all time. Yeah. And and this play was also made famous by the, the fantastic Meatloaf song, uh, we might need your mom's help here on this one if she's still watching. <laughs> Something by the dashboard light, and and that's what the whole that's what the whole play is. Is it's uh, in the song you hear it towards the end, and it's like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna score? Is he gonna go all the way? And Yogi oh, Bear, look at his reaction. He's so angry. Yogi's livid, livid. He knows he got him. Like it's not even a question that he got him. That's. That's how out he was. And it's hard to see in the replay. It's so, it's almost like one of those plays where if your glove was there in front of the plate, it doesn't matter if the foot like sneaks in. I'm thinking it was almost like a neighborhood type deal there, steal on the lefty whitey forward. Right. But if you were to like slow it down, you know, maybe he got his foot in, but the ball beat him. Oh, he looks safe right there. That's slow-mo. Oh man. You know Ooh. what I that I've never noticed on that 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 play is okay. Little story time for me to back this up a little bit. I stole home on the pitch twice when I played baseball, and it was it's, it's the most exhilarating feeling you'll you'll ever feel in your life. And there's a certain set of rules that are supposed to go along with it. And one of the things is that the guy at the plate is supposed to take a hack to prevent the catcher from doing exactly what I just noticed when once we slowed it down there. What Yogi did, he stepped out in front of the plate to receive the ball before, like if the if the hitter takes a swing, that's his plate. And if he makes contact with the catcher, then that's catcher's interference and Jackie is safe automatically. Um, and the, uh, the reason I know that rule is because when the, the manager, when I was in high school, would, would call this play, would, you know, he would call timeout and he would bring the hitter in and let him know, swing, don't make contact swing up high you have to keep the catcher back here and i gotta slide down underneath and so and stay in the box too as long as you can because that's the batter's space right exactly right so jackie's batter did him no favors there backs out of the yeah. way lets yogi Berra come out and feel that in front of the plate get in the great position so i'm inclined for all of those reasons plus the fact that i said i can 
Now, I was also a catcher back in the day, too. So I can understand the frustration of plays at the plate not going your way. But on behalf of the base runner and, and the, the speed lover that I am and, and the tie goes to the runner and, and all of that good stuff. And, and, you know, the fact that Yogi's taking up space that ain't his. Come on, man. You got it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, great play. And then I was instructed because the first time I, I stole home, I slid in feet first as well. But actually, if you slide in feet first, you don't want that guy swinging because if he actually accidentally makes contact with the baseball, he's going to foul it into your face. <laughs> you you don't want to do that. So uh, I tried it two further times after that. One other time I was thrown out. The other time I slid in head first, uh, went right across. The guy swung over the top. I was safe by a mile. I think the pitcher just freaked out. And it was, But you get that running start, headed home from third, and you see that pitcher go into his full windup and – you're in a race of like, literally, can I get there before he fit? And you can see him out of the corner of your eye the whole way. You can see the pitchers wind up and you know, when he's letting go of the ball and sliding in, ah, it's the greatest thing ever. More people should steal home plate. I like that you slipped in. Oh yeah. The one time it didn't work. It's again, it's like calling your shot. You're like, yeah, no, I'm actually only two for 75 yeah. when it comes to calling my home runs. <laughs> but let's just talk about the two that yeah. I got. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, there, there's so many great World Series. If one, the one last clip that we'll we'll talk about is is from uh, 1960, my father's least favorite World Series. We're gonna skip everything that Sandy Koufax did, Bob Gibson striking out 17 guys, mm -hmm. uh, Carlton Fisk waving it fair. Uh, great scene, by the way, that I, I love from Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams' character talks about uh, that that Fisk home run in '75. Uh, Kirk Gibson's hobble off not his walk off but uh, his home run in 88 the last Dodgers World Series before this one the earthquake in 89 uh and and Joe Carter's walk off home run in in 93 I was actually at the clinching game where the Phillies beat Atlanta um to go to the World Series it was game 6 in Philadelphia I had had very good seats really lucked out on that uh as as the Phillies fans were all ready for Toronto and were cursing at them before the series had even started. But 1960 goes the full seven, Pittsburgh and New York. The best part about this with Bill Mazeroski hitting the walk-off, yeah, a very good defensive second baseman, not a very good offensive second baseman. This is ultimately the reason why he's in the Hall of Fame because of this you know, historic home run to, to end the game there at Forbes Field. You see the people going crazy there in, in Pittsburgh. But – uh, crushed my dad's heart. He's only nine years old at the time. I mean, that's that's the worst time to have your team, you know, lose something uh, as painful as that. But the craziest stat from maybe any World Series, in my opinion, is the fact that Pittsburgh won that World Series. They won four of the seven games. New York won three. But the run totals for each of those teams, Pittsburgh scored 27 runs in the seven games, and the Yankees scored 55 yeah that is as lopsided as it gets and yet no ring for the yankees so sad right so sad <laughs> that is that is some pythag right there again both the the uses and the limits of in a very small sample size your pythagorean run total doesn't matter <laughs> over a long enough sample size of course it does. And wildly innocent, I hadn't noticed that either that Kiermaier stepped out of the box on the Margot try. I need to go back and like reevaluate every attempted steal at home through the eyes of, of the batter because that's something I forgot about until I just rewound to my own days of doing it. And as we were watching the thing, only because it was so egregious how far Yogi Berra stepped out in front of home plate to get that baseball. Uh, so, uh, In fact, you could even rule that he was out of the, the catcher's box there. And that was, no, a dead ball, runner gets home plate. For that reason alone, you, you could have made that call. With Kiermaier, he's a left-handed hitter, so he wasn't really in the in the way, like, blocking the catcher. And actually, if he didn't move, Margot would have slammed right into him. Right into him. Ugly. Yeah. But, you know, but but hanging in there in the, in the box, that one yeah. extra second, you never know. That that could have made, made the difference. It could have done something. Who knows? Could have done something extraordinarily strange yet athletic by taking a high – rando swing and then jumping out of the way of your dude as he comes flying into you um oh, definitely man. not the worst not the worst mistake the rays made in that world series by, by <laughs> kiermaier good point 
<laughs> Definitely not going. No, 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 I take it all back. I lay it all at the feet of Kevin Kiermeyer, not getting out of the way of Manuel Margot. He's the it. real Kevin that made a mistake here in this World Series. He's the Kevin we need to vilify. Oh, uh, well, folks, that's it for another DFA show. It's been a whole lot of fun. Remember, we're doing these live on the YouTube every Wednesday, having a whole lot of fun, showing you some clips talking about all the big topics around the game of baseball. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Click on the little bell icon so you get a notification whenever we go live. The rest of the week, you can find us at 4.05 p.m. Also on Wednesday, it's, it's at 4.05 p.m. But we're just on Facebook and Periscope Monday through Friday the rest of the time. Join us live, ask questions. We always appreciate your input and support for the show. Make sure that you're following everyone on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Kale Sorbo, at DMVR underscore Rockies. You know the good stuff. And also to subscribe to the DMVR.com so that you don't miss out on any of the written content. Plus you get discounts on hats, shirts, and masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar and you get to claim to be a part of one of the coolest and friendliest sports communities anywhere in the world. We really do appreciate all of you so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman, Patrick Lyons, and Kale Sorbo in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.